got a new pair of glasses this week, and I, I'm still trying to get used to them. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just not a glasses person. But uh, anyway, uh, I guess two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, I received a text. And the Ebenezer Association was getting together a team to go to Louisiana to help the, uh, the hurricane victims. And that was something that, that I really had always wanted to do. Uh, go help people in need. Uh, you know, I'm more of a hands-on person. And their need was to go put tarps on roofs, which I'm not a big fan of crawling up on top of roofs. But they had chainsaw work that needed to be done. They had brush removal, debris removal. And I said, yes, that's up my line. I'm, I'll go. So, uh, but that, one thing I couldn't understand is, dang, the hurricane went through a month ago. Why are they still needing all this this work, this help? I mean, as far as the news, the TV, hey, it was over and done with. Uh, everything's good to go. But anyway, <clears throat> I went. There was nine of us that went. Should have been ten, but Daniel couldn't go. <laughs> Unfortunately, we could have used his, his tractor uh, to move a lot of things. But anyway. We left here and was going to Morgan City, Louisiana, which is on the other side of New Orleans. And it's about a nine-hour drive, time you figure in stopping for gas and food and, and what have you. But anyway, we got to First Baptist Church, Morgan City, uh, about six o'clock, right before evening, evening worship service. But on the way down, we had to go through New Orleans. Or actually, we went around New Orleans. And hey, we, we seen a few buildings, few homes that have tarps on them, you know, like maybe a few shingles blew off or whatever. And I said, you know, what? Why are we here? You no, know, no big deal. But anyway, <clears throat> we went on to, to Morgan City. Uh, met the pastor and they had provisions set up for us to stay there for, for a whole week. There was another uh, team from Texas that was there and they had they were a relief team that traveled around doing relief work. They had uh, portable showers that you go in take a shower. Uh, they had portable laundry facilities that you need to you know, wash your clothes, whatever. But it was more for the workers than it was anything else. But anyway, so we didn't really know what we was going to do the next day or where we were going to go. So the next morning we got up, they had breakfast for us. They said, okay, you're going to go to Golden Isle. No, let me take that back. You're going to Golden Meadow, small town, Maybe a community of about 1,500 people, maybe a little more. Uh, okay, so we loaded up. We had a couple trucks and a trailer with all of our tools and tarps and everything. We headed out. Well, Golden Meadow was about an hour and a half 
away from Morgan City. And you know, we all said, look, we're gonna have to make this drive every single day, hour and a half there, hour and a half back. And they said, that's, that's if you're lucky because the streets in Golden Meadow are full of power companies, people out there putting up power lines and everything. So traffic's backed up. Traffic's gonna be horrible. Okay, we'll deal with it. Well, we left, right? Sun was just starting to come up. Left, and the closer we got, the worse things got. You need to see three or four houses, five, six houses, debris on the side of the road, you see metal roofing up in trees. Uh, it was just unbelievable that what you know Mother Nature could, could do. But the closer we got, folks, the worse it got. I mean, it was total devastation. Every single house that was standing had tarps on. A lot of them were just demolished. Businesses, gas stations, grocery stores have been closed for months because the roof is blown off. The drive-through at the gas station was had completely been demolished. You couldn't even get to the gas pumps. And so we went to the First Baptist Church of uh, uh, Golden Meadow. met the pastor and he said look you know we told him that you know, we were sent from the church in, in Morgan City and you know we're here to do whatever whatever you need so he said look we've got facilities here why don't y'all just stay here and not have to drive back and forth well they had you know the power was on uh, because of a huge generator that had been donated to them uh, and luckily, the second day we were there, they got power back to the, to the church. Uh, and this was the kind of the command center for, for Golden Isle, or Golden Meadow and Grand Isle. Grand Isle was 28 miles further south on, on the coast. And I, I know I'm kind of rambling along, but I just want you to understand how this transpired. And, and what happened while we were there. Um, but anyway, we ended up staying there. And they had, they had brought in you know, shower trailers, uh, trailers with uh, washers and dryers. And these were for the community. Um, people that didn't have anywhere to shower. They didn't have anywhere to wash their clothes. And they set up a, like I say, a distribution center in the gym. The church had a huge gym. Set up a distribution center. And tractor, trailer loads after tractor, trailer loads of goods, food, clothing, just appeared. Didn't know where it came from, how it got there, other than it was, it was trucked in by tractor trailers. And it had everything in it from flour to sugar to, to rice to, any kind of canned food you want. Uh, they had tarps, they had hammers, nails, generators, gas cans, anything that, that would help people in, in a time of need. It was just unthinkable of, of what was donated. Corporations donated stuff. 
grocery chains donated food and stuff. Uh, people were lined up for, for miles to pick up water. They, they didn't have water. I mean, the, what the water they had wasn't fit to drink. They had no electricity. They had been out of electricity for six weeks. No electricity. And you know, the, there were power companies there from Rhode Island trying to get the lines back up. All the telephone poles in a, a 20 mile stretch were on the ground. You know, we had no idea that it was still as bad as it was. We had no idea that it was that bad to start with because of the news media. They didn't want to, want to I don't know. And the people that live there will tell you, hey, we live through Katrina and this is worse. This is worse than Katrina. And they didn't have the, the flooding issues that they had with Katrina because the, the levee on the, the Lake Pontchartrain didn't, didn't break. But they had other problems. They had wind damage. Uh, like I say, roofs blew off their houses. Uh, I talked to several people that stayed there. Most people asked, I said, did you stay? Oh, no, we left. But a lot of people did stay. And they said, never again. Never, ever again. Because we had never experienced anything like this. Uh, you know, we'd been through Category 3 hurricanes, Category 2s, what have you. But this was a full, most of them said, hey, it was five. 200 miles an hour wind gust. But the bad part about it is those wind gusts lasted 12 hours. It was such a slow-moving storm that it just sat there and beat them and beat them. It was unbelievable. You go down the highway, and on both sides of the highway is just people brought debris out the yards and houses, and you see mattresses and refrigerators and sofas and everything that was in our house. And they said, you know, this is not the worst of it. The worst of it is we lost some shingles. We lost the roof on our house. It got wet. Now mold is eating our house up because we don't have any electricity to run fans or air conditioners or whatever. Uh, when we were there, the most people were going to receive power on the 29th because they, they, what they did, they had several different crews. Some crews come in, set up telephone poles. Another crew came in and stretched power lines, uh, put in uh, uh, transformers, and then they still had to have lines run from the poles to their houses. And a lot of people were working on that. Uh, and we didn't we didn't really have any particular area that we was asked to go to or told to go to. We were pretty much on our own. All we had to do is, is drive down the street and pull in somebody's driveway. If you see a house that had no tarp on the roof but shingles were missing, you know somebody has passed these people up and they need help. You see trees down in the yard. You see debris in the yard that needs to be moved. You didn't have to be told who needs help. You've seen who needed, and they were unbelievably thankful. I've never seen as many people as thankful for just me and the people that with me. Unbelievable. We had one guy, <clears throat> he lived, he was 60, he was 68. 
Ilium with his brook, which was in his late 50s. And his sister, which she was probably in her mid to late 50s. And they had a, a granddaughter to live with, all three of them. And we pulled up there, and there, they were dragging tree limbs out, uh, tree limbs out to the road for the, the trash man to pick up. And so we stopped and asked them if they needed help. Well, they, they did, and they would appreciate it. Well, we was cutting trees, limbs, and one, four of the guys were putting uh, tarps on the roof, the other three was cutting, cutting trees and brushing and moving stuff. He looked up. There was that man out by the, almost to the road, down on his hands and knees. Oh, man, we thought, this guy's having a heart attack. Something bad wrong with him. Well, everybody stopped what they were doing and went out there and asked him, said, buddy, you all right? Do we need to call 911? No, I just, just leave me alone. I'm fine. I said, you, you ain't fine. You can't even get up, you know. He said, no. So he said, just let me stay here a minute. So he did. Well, we stood there, and we could hear under his breath. He was praying. Thanking God that he sent us to help him with his family. And it was constant people showing their appreciation. Like I said, they had a, a distribution center there at the church in the, in the gym. And people were lined up. What they would do, they would line up in the parking lot around the back of the building and around and then come through the drive-thru. And they had what they called shoppers. Ladies and, and guys from the church and they had uh, a form that they fill out. The, the people that was in line filled this form out and gave it back to the lady. Well, she took it in. Well, they had shoppers going through and picking up the things they needed. They had grocery carts there, and they were filling up grocery carts, and some of them only needed a few things, but they got a cart full of stuff anyway. Uh, so the traffic was backed up while they were waiting to load up the traffic. Well, it gave us the opportunity uh, me and two other guys, we were the, the first ones they came to. We were the water boys. We had cases of water. We had gal cases of gallons of water. We had cases of hand sanitizer. So we were the first ones they got. So you, they'd pull up there and you say, you know, you need some water today. Sure do. You want cases of drinking water or you want gallons of drinking water? Uh, can I have one of each? Ma'am, sir, you can have as many of them as you want. I mean, if you want 50 of them, we, we got, I mean, they, well, you wouldn't believe how much water was there. I mean, truck and tractor trailers of water. That these people, I don't know how, what they did before, but they lined up. But we, you know, we're telling them, you can get as much water. Well, I don't want to prevent somebody else from having water. I'm grateful. But they also looked out after each other. So anyway, we'd give water. We'd got the opportunities to talk to them while they were sitting that way. And I have never seen a people so eager to tell you their life story. I mean, they'd tell you from the 
what they used to do, what they're doing now, what their children's doing, just wanting somebody to talk to and somebody to, to listen to. They move on up, you go to the next one. And it's the same thing. They want to talk. Want to tell you how much we appreciate what you're doing. And the biggest question is, is why? Why did you come all the way from Georgia to Louisiana to load my car with water? You know, it's it's a uh, an experience that I'll never forget. And it's an experience I would go again tomorrow if the opportunity, you know, came up again. But it just goes to, and, and the big thing, and they, they, they knew it, they would tell you, nobody is helping us except the churches. The churches are providing for us to survive. FEMA came in and gone. They came in, they looked at commercial buildings, they looked at commercial places, you know, gas stations, grocery stores, gave them the help they needed to get back up. But regular person, here, here's five hundred dollars, we'll see y'all later. We'll, we'll be back. Well, they never come back. The church's main job is taking care of these people gifts and, and donations and and you know think about this we we seen firsthand that you don't need to rely on the federal government because they're gonna let you down every single time they're gonna let you down but the church you won't God's people won't let you down and that's what they couldn't understand why did you come all the way from, from middle Georgia down here we didn't we didn't know what we were doing what we were going to face what we looked forward to whatever but we stayed there uh, from Sunday to Saturday and it felt like we'd been only there two days it was, there was so much going on so much help that, that was needed we uh, we talked to different people every day uh, God gave us the opportunity to to, to spread the gospel. I think it was four four or five people that were saved by our team. Uh, but it just it, it was just unbelievable the devastation that we looked at. They had a, uh, a canal a tenth of a mile from the church uh, that went all the way to the coast. And they had boats and ships, not not ships, but they had shrimp boats and fishing boats and pleasure boats and everything in that canal. They couldn't go nowhere. A lot of them was overturned. A lot of shrimp boats was overturned, and they had tugboats in there on platforms trying to pick these boats up. But the bad part about it is, at the coast, they had locks that opened and let people out and people closed and you know whatever. Well. Those that got in, that a lot of people came in from the coast, from the Gulf, into the canal to get out of the way of the storm. Well, those locks quit working because of the storm, and they're stuck. And a lot of people said, that, that, hey, that's my livelihood. I'm a commercial fisherman. I've got to get back out and, and go to work. 
but I, I can't. They, it, until the Corps of Engineers comes in and inspects those and gives them the okay, we're stuck. So right, we're right here. Uh, the restaurants that were open, they're, uh, they fix meals for people. One of the biggest things that I've seen while I was there, I was thoroughly impressed with it. There was a team out of Hammond, Louisiana that came in, they had this huge cooker in the back of a, the back of a trailer. And I asked the guy, I said, man, how much can you cook in that cooker? It was a, a, like a grill, it was a rotisserie type deal. He said, I can cook 80 Boston butts at one time, or I can cook 150 whole chickens at one time. Well, right outside, they had these two, and I'm gonna say they were 50 gallon, uh, I'll call them cauldrons, big pots, uh, cast iron pots. Uh, and they were cooking uh, like beans and rice, jambalaya, things that would go a long way. Well, he told me, he said, one of these pots right here for a jambalaya will feed 400 people. It was amazing. And I said, I watched them. I mean, they put in like 40 pounds of chicken, you know, 40 pounds of sausage, uh, 60 pounds of rice. I mean, just humongous amounts. Well, Friday, and, that, and people would come by, lunch and supper. And they would take go to go plates. If they had a family of five, they give them five uh, to go boxes and a chicken, a whole chicken. If they had six or more, they got two chickens plus all the to go plates for each one. It was unbelievable how how many people they, they fed, all from donations. I asked the guy, I said, "How long y'all gonna be here?" He said, "You see that tractor trailer right there?" He said, "It's full of frozen food." He said, "When it's empty, it's a little." He said, we'll probably be here about two weeks. Uh, side note, I got up Friday morning, just walked down there to see what he was cooking for the day. And uh, there's TV personality down there cooking. And I don't know if you ever watch Swamp People on TV, but the guy, that, uh, Bruce Mitchell, the guy with the overalls and no shirt on and shorts cut off, he was down there cooking. Uh, he said, I just want to come down the hill. But it, uh, you know, in, in Sunday school this morning, the preacher was talking about the little girl. It was going to draw a picture of God. And her mother told her, you, you, nobody's ever seen you. And she said, well, when I get through with this, they will. Well, we've seen God's love firsthand. The people that he sent to help other people. They didn't have to be Christians to have help. But he helped all. There's no discrimination between this one and that one, whatever. The thing about it is they all needed help. And we had the opportunity to help just a few. Wishing we could help more. Uh, you know, we we got a lot of uh, of donations. Uh, one of the biggest things that, that really helped people and they, they really enjoyed 
we feel like we could help them out. Because we had about $800 donated from, I don't know from where, uh, nobody said where it came from. But they took that $800 and went to Walmart and got $800 worth of uh, uh, cars, $25 gift cards. And we had the opportunity to, to witness the people, find out what their needs were, uh, what they had. I mean, $25 gift card went a long way with those people. But you, you got to realize, okay, our lives here, you know, if we need something, we run to the store. If we need gas in the car, we run and fill up. Those people didn't have any way to go for over a month. If they needed gas, they couldn't get it because all the gas stations were destroyed. They couldn't get to the gas pumps. They couldn't didn't have any gas. They couldn't go to the grocery store and buy groceries because grocery stores was closed. They couldn't go to the shortstop or Jiffy store or 7-Eleven because they were destroyed. They were gone. You had almost a hundred mile radius of nothing but devastation. So what? how are these people going to survive? And what's so bad when they, they did get halfway straightened out, then like the lady told me, moles eat my house up. Another lady told me, all I've got to close on my back. That's all. Because they said the storm was coming. I said, okay, I'm going to go to my sister's house north of in a, uh, Louisiana. I'll be back the next day. So I didn't take anything with me. Just to close my back, drove up there and was expecting to come back the next day. Well, that didn't happen. When she got back, everything was gone, destroyed. Everything was soaking wet, mold was eating it up. I mean, it don't take long if you got a wet house on the inside and it's 100 degrees outside, mold's going to grow. And there's nothing you can do about it uh, because it's, everything's still wet. Water was still standing in people's yards. I mean, because the area that we were in was, was like yours. It's below sea level. So we don't have a whole lot of drainage here. Uh, I thought about Daniel. If he brought his tractor down, you know, you better have big tires on it because it's going to sink and all this mud and stuff. But it, you know, it was neat. Uh, so we had an opportunity to, to help people. We have an opportunity to, not only to help, but to witness which you just, you just wouldn't understand how thankful these people were that we were there. These nine people from, from middle Georgia come to Louisiana to help, to help me. You know, we'll, we'll never forget some of those faces we see. The needs that they had. And they felt like, man, it's Christmas. Y'all come. You come to help. And it's like I say, I'd go again tomorrow if I had an opportunity to do But we literally went on faith. We didn't know exactly where we were going. We didn't know exactly what we were going to do. But we didn't have to know. God had already made a plan of who we were to help and what we were going to do. And uh, some of the people we talked to, were, like I say, they're be friends forever. Because they, they wanted to know what our addresses were, how to get in touch with us, and how they could thank us. And uh, but it was a good it was a good opportunity, good trip. Like I say, 
enjoyed it. Everybody came back safe. Uh, I don't think anybody came back wanting another plate of jambalaya. <laughs> because that seemed like was all they served was red beans and rice and jambalaya. And because it went, went so far and it was easy to fix. And, uh, but uh, one, like one guy that was cooking said, hey, you've got people come down here and ask, you know, what are you cooking? What are we going to have today? Well, if you have to ask, you don't need it. If you need it, it don't matter. Uh, so uh, but keep, keep these people in your prayers because they still got a long way to go. And uh, it was just unbelievable. Now tonight at, uh, at 6 o'clock at Stone Creek, uh, we're having another uh, thing might be a subject. All, all nine of us are going to be there. They've, everybody that took pictures, uh, they've took the pictures and made a video of it. Uh, so if you want to know more and actually see some of the devastation that we've faced with, uh, Come Stone Creek at nine o'clock. I'm at six o'clock tonight. Uh, it'll be it'll be an experience. I I can guarantee you that. Thank you.